And once again, thank you all for being with us today. We are actually in part two of a three-part message series that we are calling In This Economy. And that's how I have to say it, by the way. In This Economy. And we're talking about the economy in this series. And you can call it what we're in a recession, or you can call it something else, or I don't know what you want to call it. All I know is that the economy is not good. Inflation's on the rise, and there's this thing called shrinkflation. Have you heard of shrinkflation? Is that a new term? Shrinkflation and inflation. Interest rates are high, and so we know that the economy is not in great shape. And so what about us, those of us who are followers of Jesus? How are we supposed to manage our finances in such a time as this? How are we supposed to exercise generosity? How are we supposed to give and support other people when the economy... By a guy named Agur, A-G-U-R. And we read this prayer in Proverbs 30. And this guy, Agur, he was um, a contemporary, almost certainly a contemporary of King Solomon, the wisest man in the Old Testament, and perhaps even a counselor to King Solomon. And so he lifts up this prayer, and in his prayer he says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, right? And we're all on board with the first half of that prayer, right? Give me, don't give me poverty, God. No, I don't want to be poor. But he says, give me neither poverty nor riches, but only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much. Oh, goodness gracious, who is this guy? He's afraid of having too much? Wow, how un-American, right? Well, he wasn't American. (laughs) He was afraid of having too much. He says, otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. And so this man's prayer, while it seems counterintuitive to us, actually makes a whole lot of sense. Because when you're on either end of that financial spectrum, very, very poor and struggling, there's a temptation to steal or do something unethical or to say, well, I'm just going to take this. Nobody else is using it. You know what I mean? That kind of like sneaky kind of thing. Well, it's not technically stealing. I'm just taking something. Well, is it yours? Did you pay for it? Well, no, right? So there's all that temptation on that end. But then at the other end, when we have too much, when we have too much, we end up relying on ourselves and not relying on provision from the Lord. Who is the Lord? That's his fear. I don't want to get to a place where I'm disowning the Lord saying, who is the Lord? I don't want to get to a place where I'm relying so much on my stuff and my wealth and my resources and my 401k and my investment portfolio that I'm saying, well, I don't really need a God because I've got it all covered. This is not a hypothetical issue. This is real. And it's as real for us today as it was for Edgar in his time. And whether we have too much or too little, it can get in the way of our relationship with the Lord. Now, you all heard about that last week, and I probably were hoping I want to bring it up again this week, but I have to because it's important. There is such a thing as a sweet spot having just your daily bread, not having too much. I did throw out this kind of hypothetical challenge to you last week, talked about, you know, how many of us would be comfortable praying like that, right? And I made this statement, if you're not comfortable praying this prayer, God, I don't want too much. If you're not comfortable with that, that's a pretty strong sign that there might be some greed in your heart. That's all there is to it. And the solution to greed is what? Well, it's not feeling bad about it. The solution to greed is to give, is to exercise generosity, is to let go of some of those resources, which is so difficult in such a time as this. When the economy is bad, what's our reflex? What's our instinct? It's to hold on to what we got. Time to tighten up the belt. And you know what? That makes a whole lot of sense, except when it comes to giving and generosity. Because when the economy is bad, People need us, the followers of Jesus. They need us to be more supportive and more generous and more 
giving. They need us to be counterintuitive. The world around us needs us to be counterintuitive and actually give more at such a time as this. Today, I'm going to use our message time to explain one simple thing that we do as a church, and that is offering-related, how we collect the offering. Now, if you've been to other churches or seen stuff on TV, you know, worship services and how all this works, uh, you realize that churches go about this business of collecting an offering in different ways. Um, Some churches pass a plate around. Have you been to churches that do that? Uh, We used to pass a plate around before the pandemic. Um, So you can pass a plate around. You can have like some kind of point, a box, a drop-off point where you can bring your offering. Um, People have asked, are we ever going to go back to passing the plate around? I really don't know. There are pros and cons to all the different models. You know, we have this here, and you can bring up your offering. You can leave it on your way out. Some people feel a little bit weird, like, well, am I on display bringing it up here? That's why we put one in the back, too, right? And then there's the thing about passing a plate. Well, when you pass a plate around, you feel a little bit more discreet, like you can put money in there, and you're not really, you know, nobody really needs to know about it. But at the same time, if you're a visitor and that plate comes by you, don't you feel obligated? We don't want people to feel obligated. So there are pros and cons to different methods of collecting offering, and so we might change things in the future, I don't know, but what we won't change is that announcement that I make every single week concerning the offering. You heard me say it today, if you are a visitor or a guest, please don't give. That's been consistent all throughout our 10 years, 10 plus years now as a church, that's been consistent, that announcement, please don't give. And you know why we say that to our visitors and our guests? Because we mean it. There have been at least two occasions where I've been tempted, friends. Two occasions where I've made that announcement and I have caught visitors giving. I was like, don't you follow instructions? We told you not to do that, right? But we mean it when we say that. Because that's not how it should work. We shouldn't be asking the people who are our guests to to come in and part ways with their money. I mean, we're inviting these people to come into our space and we're going to put them, like, you've got to pick up the tab for what we're doing here? No, it doesn't make sense. I have a policy that I live by, and maybe you don't have this policy, and that's fine. But when I invite somebody out to lunch or to breakfast or even to coffee, I'm going to pay. You know why? Because I extended the invitation. That's how it works, right? Can you imagine inviting someone into a worship service and say, oh, by the way, you've got to put some money in that box up there? No, that's not how it works, right? The people that are guests, the people that are visitors, the people in our community at large, the burden, the financial burden of the church is not on their shoulders. That's not how it is. And so from day one as a church, we made that announcement. Visitors and guests, please, please do not give. Your presence with us is your, hey, you know it, (laughs) is your gift to us. And we mean that when we say that. The reason The reason that we're so dedicated to this principle is because we realized very early on, even before our beginning as a church, we realized that we are up against a bad reputation. What do so many people believe about churches and money? Ah, the church is just after your money. You know people that have that mentality. The church, the church is just after your money. In fact, maybe once upon a time, you thought that way. The church, they're just after my money. The church has a bad reputation in this community and really around the world for just being after people's money. And do you know how the church got that reputation? Unfortunately, it was earned because there are some local churches and some denominations that have just been after 
people's money, and they ruin it for the rest of us. That's all there is to it. They ruin it for the rest of us. Well, let's, let's be clear about this. It does, friends, it does take money to be a church. I mean, there is a price tag associated with ministry. There just is. And depending on what you're doing with the community and how many staff you have and how big your church is or how small your church is or what kind of programs you offer, there's always, there's always a price tag associated with that. Even back to the very first church, there was a price tag associated with that. But it should never be on the shoulders of people outside of the church to pick up that tab to cover that cost, right? Does everybody, do you guys agree with me with that? It, that's not how it should be. We shouldn't ask the people from the community to come in and give us their money so that, what, we can bless them? Can you imagine that? I mean, starting out as a new church in this community, hey, people of Delco, we're here for you, and we want to bless you, and we want to support you, but if you could pony up first, right? That's, that's, not, how it, that's not how it should work. So, how should it work? Take a look at that passage from Acts. Acts chapter 2. Those of you who are newer to Hope Community Church, uh, guess what? We uh, take a look at this passage multiple times a year. It'd be a great idea for you to get well acquainted with the book of Acts, specifically Acts chapter 2. This book and this chapter specifically are just so action-packed. We get so many details about what it means to be a church, so much information about how the church is structured. And so there's a, a couple of verses here that if we're not careful, we're just reading the book of Acts, we might, we might miss something. There's something very important, very, very practical revealed here about how to be a church and how to pay the tab, how to pay for the ministry of the church. Verse 44, all believers were together and had everything in common. They all really liked country music. That's what that, no, that's not what that means. They shared, that's not what that means. They shared all of their possessions, right? In fact, there was a lot of diversity in that first church, but they shared everything in common, right? They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They shared stuff. They sold their possessions to have money to give. It's it's all right there. This very first church, this is the first church, by the way, right? The very first church, how did they pay for the ministry? Who paid for it? Well, the members. <laughs> the members of the church were the ones that carried the financial burden of the ministry because, friends, that's exactly how it should be. And that's how it should be to this day. Those of us who are members of Hope Community Church, we're the ones that say, you know what, I got it, I'm going to pick up the tab. Not our visitors, not our guests, not the people outside and in the community. No, no, no. Those of us who are members, we are the ones that pick up the tab. Let me take a moment here just to explain membership at Hope Community Church. Um, this is something that there's been some confusion about, and I understand that confusion because it is kind of a wishy-washy issue, and I apologize for that. Let me just put it this way. You are a member of Hope Community Church as soon as you want to be a member of Hope Community Church. We don't do the classes. There's no big registration process. No. If you spend time with us in worship, maybe service projects, maybe small groups, you spend time with us and you decide, you know what? I'm a member of this now. You decide when you are a member of Hope Community Church. And for some people, they walk in on a Sunday morning, they get all they need to know and say, I'm in. That's great. Other people, it takes months 
maybe years of visiting and learning and checking out before they say, you know what, yeah, I'm a part of this. And so for those of us who are members, it is our job to carry the financial burdens of this church because that's just how, that's just how it should be. We are the ones that pick up the tab. We are the ones that carry the burden. Now, I have had people ask the question over the years about that announcement I make before offering. Now, visitors and guests, please do not give. And I've been asked, well, how long is someone a guest before they have to pony up, right? Listen, here's the answer to that. You are a visitor. You are a guest for as long as you need to be, okay? There's no time limit on that. And in the meantime, we, the members, will pick up the financial burden of the ministry. You realize that I'm not just the pastor here. I'm also a member. <laughs> when I say we, I mean we. We, the members of the church, carry, carry that financial burden. Now, it just so happens we are in November. I mean, despite what's going on with the weather and the fact that we have our air conditioners on, we actually are in November. And in November is when we are doing a lot of work in the church planning our budget for the following year. Our budget year follows the calendar year. And so we're doing all that work now. And so the way that we figure out a church budget, I mean, there's an element of it that's very, very spiritual, and there's an element that's very, very practical. And basically, we look ahead to the next year, and we say, okay, God, what are you calling us to do? And then what's the price tag for that ministry? And we get as specific as we can. In fact, sometimes you'll see, like, the, the budget number ends with, like, and 24 cents or whatever it is. We try to get very, very specific about what's it going to cost to do what we've been called to do. And so here's what we could do as a church, right? We could calculate that budget, and then we could go around to all of our members saying, all right, we've calculated our budget, and so we're going to divvy all this up among the members, and so here's your bill for next year, right? What do you think? Should we do that? No. <laughs> that would be your last day with us as a church. Are you kidding me? You're going to send me a bill? No, of course we don't. I don't know of any church that does do that. Of course we're not going to do that, right? No. Instead, we just tell you what that number is. We'll give you that monthly or that weekly number. And then we just have to have faith. We just have to have faith that the people who, who really believe in what we're doing, who are members of this church, who have personally benefited from the ministry of this church, will give. And guess what? Over the past 10 years, that approach has worked. <laughs> God has always blessed. There's always been enough in fact, most of the time, there's more than enough. And so we're going to continue to follow this policy of not asking people outside of the church to support us financially. No, those of us who are members will carry that financial burden. There's something I believe about parting ways with money, and I'm not the only one who believes this, uh, but ever, whenever I part ways with money, I have to think of it as an investment, right? You go to the grocery store, you buy some food, okay, I'm investing in being alive and being healthy, right? I'm going to buy that chicken and broccoli, and that broccoli's gross, but I'm going to eat it because I'm making it a financial investment in my own health, right? You know what I mean? Whenever you part ways with money, even a vacation thing, okay, I'm making a financial investment, and this is going to help me recuperate and relax and have fun and take a break and mentally recharge, whatever it is. Anytime I part ways with money, I think of it as an investment, and that also applies to my giving to this church. Let me tell you, I want to see an ROI. I want a return on my investment, right? And so that's what I'm looking for because, again, I'm not just the pastor. I'm also a member. Is this working? Is the ministry that we're doing, is it working? Are, are we growing? 
This past June, when we celebrated our 10th anniversary as a church, we had a baptism service. And on that day, 11 people were baptized. 11 people came up and confessed Jesus Christ as their Savior. And let me tell you how that makes me feel as a giving member of this church. It makes me feel like I'm getting a decent return on my investment, a decent return. That's the stuff that makes me keep, continue to believe in what we're doing as a church. So here's what we're going to do. Regardless, friends, regardless of what's going on in the economy, we, the members of Hope, we will continue to carry the financial burden of being this local church for the sake of our lost loved ones and our lost neighbors. We're going to welcome them in as guests. We're going to welcome them in, not just to our building, but into our church family as guests and as visitors. We're going to encourage them to connect. But in the meantime, we, the members of the church, will carry the financial burden of being the church. Let's pray on that. Father God, we want to thank you for blessing us as individuals, as families, as a church family. Thank you for what you have given to us, however much, however little. We acknowledge that every gift comes from you, God. So thank you. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray that you would continue to encourage us and challenge us to exercise generosity. Give us perspective, God. Help us to appreciate what we have. And help us to use what we have to help other people who are in need. Father God, we pray for our community, for our, our near neighbors. We pray for the people who don't yet know you as Savior. And we pray that you would use us as one local church. Use us as a source of light and truth and hope. And allow us to continue to share your gospel. Father God, we pray for more and more baptisms this coming year. We pray that more people will connect with your gospel and confess you as their Savior. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.